Would you take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to 1 John chapter 2 this morning, 1 John chapter 2, and your copy of God's Word. I hope you have your Bible with you today. As you turn there, how about a question? Have you ever been confident you were absolutely right about something, only to find out later you were absolutely wrong? Not you, of course, your neighbor, yes, but not you. Oh boy, that's all of us, isn't it? I heard a story this week of a, of a lady who had a broken toilet and, and, and needed to be replaced. And she had found a plumber and she had spoken to the plumber. The plumber had agreed to come and replace the toilet. So before she left the house that day, she called the plumber and said, I'm leaving. I'm leaving the door unlocked. Just come and replace the toilet. I'll be gone all day. Come anytime. And he said, I will be there. I will replace your toilet. She came home later in the day. She still has a broken toilet. She calls the plumber. I, I, did, I, did I misunderstand? I thought you were going to be here today. I, I said the door was going to be unlocked and, and I was going to be gone all day. Did you not have time? He goes, no, I, I came. I replaced your toilet. Evidently, he had gotten the wrong address or hadn't paid attention to the address and walked into someone else's house whose door was unlocked. He was absolutely sure he was going to the right place, but he was absolutely wrong. <laughs> kind of important that you double check that address and make sure it's not east and west or whatever. Kind of important that you know where you're going. Today we're going to see here in 1 John chapter 2 that it's possible to know that you're truly a child of God. Did you hear that? God's word helps us know for sure whether or not we're truly a child of God, whether we have truly trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Assurance of true faith in Jesus is one of John's purposes in writing 1 John. This is good news. Think of it. This is good news. That you can know for sure that you're a child of God, that you have truly trusted in the one true way to be right with God, the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw good news last week, too. Verses 1 and 2 in chapter 2 of 1 John, where we saw that John assures believers who sin that it's possible to not sin. It's possible to say no to sin. But when we do sin, Jesus keeps us. We have a heavenly Father who does not disown us when we sin. In fact, we have an advocate in the Lord Jesus Christ who is with the Father, representing us, pleading our case with the Father. And He's the only one who can plead our case with the Father because He is the righteous one. He is the sinless one who went to the cross. And He makes forgiveness of sins possible because He has already taken that punishment that we deserve. He has taken it on Himself for our sins. He's the one who's paid the price for the penalty for all your sin, if your faith is in Him, He is, we learned last week, He is your propitiation. He is your complete and acceptable sacrifice. Your complete replacement in your place. He bore the wrath of God for your sins. This is good news for believers who sin, which makes it good news for all believers. Because all believers will be, we are, fighting 
sin and temptation to sin. And we will be until the Lord returns or calls us home. It's one of the reasons we echo the prayer of Scriptures. Even so, come Lord Jesus. We want to be done with sin, don't we? But not only does John want believers to know that they have forgiveness for sins, he also wants them to know that they can have assurance of salvation because one thing sin in our lives does is make us doubt. It makes us question. And so as we come to verses 3 through 6 this morning, we find these statements from John. And I want you to follow along in your copy of God's Word. Turn with me. 1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse 3. I'll read through verse 6. Follow along as I read. And by this we know that we have come to know Him. If we keep His commandments, whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now go back to verse 3. Note verse 3 again. John says, look at verse 3. And by this. We know that we have come to know Him. What does John mean when he speaks of coming to know Christ, to know Him? Is he talking about knowing about Jesus? Having lots of information about Jesus, even reading the Bible and learning about who Jesus was and is. Is he talking about knowing about Jesus? Or is he talking about believing in Jesus? Believing what the Bible says about Jesus? Believing in who he is and and what he did for your sins? It is possible, isn't it, to have a head knowledge about Jesus Christ? To know a lot of Bible truths about Jesus. It's possible to know a lot about him. And not truly know Jesus Christ. Not be saved by Him because you haven't truly put your faith in Him. It's possible. It's possible to know Jesus and not truly know Him. You know about Him, but you don't know Him as Lord and Savior. It's possible, isn't it, to have lots of information. But that information doesn't do anything in your heart. But being saved by Christ, being forgiven your sins, is the kind of knowing that John is speaking about here. It's the kind of knowing that that means I have come to know and believe in Jesus Christ. I have repented of my sins. I have believed in Him for my salvation. And by no merit of my own, I know I'm saved because I know Jesus. That's the kind of knowing that John is talking about here. It's possible to know a lot about Jesus and not know Him, not be saved by Him. I think Judas is a vivid example that's possible to know about Jesus, but not have come to know Him as your Savior and your Lord. Think of Judas as one of the twelve disciples. Judas spent time with Jesus, didn't he? 
Did he know Jesus? <laughs> yes, like, like very well. He knew Jesus. He spent time with him. Did Jesus know? Je- did Judas know Jesus? Yes, he did. He certainly knew much about him. But did Jesus truly believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord? We cannot say he did. He did not. He became a traitor to Jesus. There is absolutely no evidence from Scripture that Judas was a believer in Jesus. And in that sense, he had not come to know Jesus. And there is clear evidence from the Bible that Judas was not a believer. For starters, Jesus called Judas a devil or an enemy. In John chapter 6, Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 25, which says of Judas that he turned aside to go to his own place, and that does not mean heaven, it means hell. Betrayer of Jesus Christ was Judas, and John 17, 12 calls him the son of destruction. So as seen in the life of Judas, you can know about Jesus. You can be really close to Jesus, like Judas was, spending time with Jesus. Had you been alive when Jesus was alive, you could have spent time with Jesus and still not known Him as Lord and Savior. Certainly many atheists and self-professed unbelievers know much about Jesus. There are many people who will read the Bible but do not believe it. And know a lot of history, but do not believe in the one who came to save them from their sins. Certainly, many people who can spout all kinds of facts and figures about Jesus truly don't know him as Lord and Savior. And so John's statement here in verse 3 kind of gets our attention. Even using the word liar in there, that, that kind of got your attention, didn't it? That's strong language. We always say, don't call them a liar. That's not nice. And yet, God's Word uses that word about those who would say, I know Jesus. And yet, they have not trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There's some strong language for one who who says, I know Jesus and does not truly know Him. So John's statement here in verse 3 brings up important questions. For one, if it's possible to know about Jesus but not have truly come to know Him as Savior and Lord, can I be sure of my salvation? And if I can be, how? How can I be sure? And that, in fact, is just what what John is writing about in these verses before us today. That's why he's writing. He wants those questions to come to mind. He wants to answer those questions. And God's Word is good. God is good to give answers to those kinds of questions. To the question of, can I be assured of my salvation? John says, yes, emphatically, twice. You can be assured of your salvation, says John, at the beginning of verse 3. Look at it again. By this we know. Can you be sure? John says yes. Inspired by God. God moved John to write these words for our sake. By this, verse 3, by this we know that we have come to know Him. 
And then again, in verse 5, he says that, by this we may know that we are in him. Now that's wonderful news. That's good news. That we can be assured of our salvation in Christ. We need not doubt. There's no reason for doubt. If your hope and your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need not doubt, we need not fear or wonder whether we are God's children. We can know for sure. We can be certain. For one thing, we can know that our salvation is based on, on no merit of our own, but on God's saving work through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's why John first tells us in verse 2, here in chapter 2, that Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sins. What does that mean? That's a, again, that's a big word, isn't it? And it? It does us good to stop and think about a word like that. I'll read again the quote from J.I. Packer, which I shared last week because it's so helpful. It's very helpful. Listen again as G.I. Packer writes about propitiation, Christ assumed our identity, as it were, and endured the retributive judgment due to us as our substitute in our place with the damning record of our transgressions nailed by God to His cross as the tally of crimes for which He was now dying. That's propitiation. And we're reminded repeatedly in the Bible that we are secure in Christ because of His sacrifice, His perfect and acceptable sacrifice on our behalf because Jesus is our propitiation. But there's more here that John speaks of that will help give us assurance. It will help assure us that we know Jesus and that we are in Christ if our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him alone. How can a person who's still fighting sin know they are saved? John says in our passage that there's evidence that either confirms or condemns us. There's evidence that either either confirms us that we know Jesus or and are in Him, or condemns us that we do not know Jesus as Savior and Lord, and that we are not in Christ. And so, what is the evidence that John says will be present in the life of a person who truly knows Jesus as Savior and Lord and is secure in Him? What's the evidence? John says, "By this," at the beginning of verse three. And he gives the answer to that here. Look at the latter part of verse 3. Again, where John says, the by this is, if we keep his commandments. And look at the beginning of verse 5. Whoever keeps his word. And then at the end of verse 5. He says again, by this we may know that we are in Him. And what's the by this? Look at verse 6. Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And so you can know that you are saved. You can know that you know Jesus as Savior and Lord and that you are secure in Christ. What is the evidence that will confirm this for you? John says you can know by this. The one who knows Jesus 
is saved and is saved keeps God's commandments. Keeps God's word. Obeys the Bible. Keeps God's commandments. Obeys His word and walks or, here's the idea, or lives the way Jesus lived. How did Jesus live? How did Jesus treat people? What was Jesus' attitude? What kind of love did Jesus show? How did Jesus walk? How did He live? Putting it in the negative, He's saying that you can know that you don't know Jesus if the evidence of your life reveals that you don't do something. What is, what, what is that? Verse 4 says, Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. And so a true believer in Jesus Christ keeps God's commandments, obeys the Bible, and lives the way Jesus lived, uses Jesus as the model for life to say, how did Jesus treat people? How did Jesus love people? How did Jesus talk? How did he think? How did he behave? A true believer obeys the Bible and makes Jesus their example and lives their life as Jesus lived his life here on earth. And an unbeliever is revealed in that he or she doesn't obey the Bible. They don't obey God's commands. And doesn't live their life as Christ lived his life. But isn't there some tension in those statements? Do you feel the tension? In those statements, there's a problem we all face who say we're believers in Jesus. You know what it is? We only have to back up a couple of verses into the first part of chapter 2 again. We still fight sin. We still fight temptation to sin. We don't always obey the Bible. We don't always live as Jesus lived. And so how can we know we're saved? Here's how you can be assured of your salvation. You need to understand... It's not in the perfection of your living, but in the pursuit of your obedience. It's not in whether you never sin, because you do sin. That's why you need an advocate. If you didn't sin, you wouldn't need an advocate. You wouldn't need an advocate who is your propitiation, your complete and acceptable replacement for your sin. You aren't called to perfection this side of heaven. God is calling us to strive for perfection, to aim for for perfection, to live as Jesus lived. You're called to obedience. God is calling you to, to exercise discipline before the Lord and to use the Word of God to inform your thinking and your living. But He is not holding you up to the scrutiny of perfection. He looks at Jesus for that. Praise God. He looks at Jesus for perfection and He sees it in Jesus. And He says, because Jesus is sinless, you're acceptable. And I forgive your sins because He paid the price for those sins. 
You aren't called to perfection this side of heaven. You're called to obedience. If you truly know Jesus, if you're a true follower of Jesus, you have the love of God at work in you And you will have a desire to obey. And you will be seeking to obey God in every area of your life. You won't won't pray, God, help me to know if I sin. You'll ask God to show you your sins so that you can work on them and submit them to Him and confess them. Commentator Warren Wearsby says of these truths in our passage that... Obedience to God's word is proof of your love for him. There are three motives for obedience. We can obey because we have to, because we need to, or because we want to. This is the way we learned obedience when we were children. First, we obeyed because we had to. If we didn't obey, we were spanked. But as we grew up, we discovered that obedience meant enjoyment and reward. And so we started obeying because it meant certain needs in our lives. It met certain needs in our lives. And it was a mark of real maturity when we started obeying because of love. Warren Wiersbe says, Baby Christians must constantly be warned or rewarded. Mature Christians listen to God's word and obey it simply because they love Him. Walking in the light involves honesty, obedience, and love. We're going to hear John put it this way when we get to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3. For this is the love of God that we Keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. If you're a true believer, you're going to be growing in obedience. Because you love God. And you want to honor Him. You want to please Him. You want others to know about Him. You're by no means perfect, but if you're a true believer, you are no longer in love with your sin as you once were before Christ. You may be weak at times, and you still fight sin, and you still fight the temptation to sin, but if you're a true believer in Jesus, you hate your sin. And you want to be free of its bondage. You want to obey because you love Jesus. And you're so grateful for all that He has done for you by going to the cross and taking the punishment that you deserved. It is not burdensome. It's not a burdensome thing for a believer in Jesus to take on the commands of Scripture and long to obey them. You might find it challenging to obey, but it's not a hardship for you to say, no, I want to obey. These are good things for me. I must obey. Yes, it will be challenging to obey. There may be struggles and even some failures, but if you have truly trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and salvation, then you know God. 
And you're no, you know you're secure in Christ. And as a result, as Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, you will long to and you will take steps to flee the lusts of the flesh. You will, as he says in 1 Timothy 6.11, you will pursue righteousness. You will pursue godliness. You will pursue faith. You will pursue love. And steadfastness. And gentleness. By the way, that's how Jesus lived. You want to know how Jesus lived? You want to know how you're supposed to walk? God's Word is sufficient to inform your thinking and your living. Get into the Bible. Read the pages of Scripture because God informs your thinking and your thinking informs your living. You want to live like Jesus? Be obedient to God's Word. Make that your passion. You would pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness and you will fight the good fight of faith. As you keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the good news for followers of Jesus, we ought not use that word lightly, followers of Jesus, do what? They follow Jesus. As followers of Jesus, the good news is that we have all the resources that we will ever need in Jesus and in His Word. And in His indwelling presence through the presence of the Holy Spirit and those who have trusted in Jesus Christ. Beloved, hear me. Those who say, I know Jesus. Are you growing in Christ? Are you growing day by day to love the Bible that God has given you to guide your living, your thinking, and your obedience? Are you forgiving others as Christ has forgiven you? Are you gracious toward others as God is gracious toward you? Are you patient with people as God is patient with you? Are you as forgiving and gracious and loving and patient with others as as God in Christ Jesus has been and is toward you? Are you obeying because you love Jesus? If you're looking at your life today and you're realizing you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you should know that you can pray right now. Right where you sit. You can bow your head. Talk to God in prayer. Admitting that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. God will forgive your sins and save you. And He will send His Holy Spirit to indwell you to help you obey. I want you to know that I would be, I'd be honored and privileged to speak to you about that. If you, you want to speak to me about that, just get in touch with me this week. Let God's Word capture your affections. Let God's Word train your affections and correct your affections. Believer, beloved, are you growing in your faith? 
Are you pursuing obedience because you love God? And you know He loves you. 